It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Welcome back to our third session in the Daily Thunder series on becoming a brave-hearted woman. We've talked about the vision of a woman of valor. As we see in Proverbs 31, that is not based on our own strength or rising up to some standard just by willpower. It's literally the supernatural enabling power of God working in and through us to live a life we could never live on our own. So instead of rolling our eyes at Proverbs 31, we look at it as this incredible calling and opportunity and promise from God that he has called us to something powerful and he will equip us for what he has called us to. Last week we talked about four qualities to becoming a brave-hearted woman, and the first one that we covered was being fulfilled in Christ. True fulfillment can only come into our lives when we make Jesus our all in all. And we can only be a brave-hearted woman and change the world for, for his glory when we are truly fulfilled in him and not trying to find our, our happiness or our satisfaction in any other source. This week we're going to go into this, th- this episode, we're going to go into this, the second quality of a brave-hearted woman, which is being resilient, being a resilient woman. So many of us feel emotionally fragile by things that are happening in our own lives or happening in the world around us. Is it possible to be strong? We talked about that verse, be brave, be strong, be courageous, be bold. Is that something that's even possible when we're going through difficult things in our lives or when we feel fragile emotionally? We're going to look at that today. And we're going to be talking about the principle of becoming a spiritual athlete. Now, I know that the, orig- the immediate thought that we think when we hear the term spiritual athlete is like human willpower and discipline and rising up to a standard. But again, we're not talking about human strength in Bravehearted Womanhood. We are talking about the strength of God. So being a spiritual athlete is not just about personal discipline. We're going to look at that a little bit more. Spir- being a spiritual athlete is not something that I ever really understood for most of my Christian life. And whenever trials or hard things would come my way, I would just completely fall apart because I didn't understand how to rise up with the spiritual tools that God had given me and conquer in his name. I just was sort of letting things happen to me and letting them cause me to fall apart. And a couple years into when Eric and I first started our ministry, which was now over 25 years ago, I was an emotional mess because I didn't understand this principle of being a spiritual athlete. So whenever something challenging would happen, I would just allow the weight of that to come upon my shoulders. I wouldn't rise up. I wouldn't sprint toward the battle. I kept retreating more and more and more from the battle to the point where I just became an emotional wreck. And I began to realize this is not how God has called me to live. I think I have some tools missing from my spiritual tool belt. I love what Amy Carmichael wrote about being a spiritual athlete. She said, if I am soft to myself, and I slide comfortably into the vice of self-pity and self-sympathy, if I do not, by God's grace, practice fortitude, then I know nothing of Calvary love. That concept of fortitude is so lost in modern culture, and yet what a powerful spiritual tool that God has given us to walk through this life with fortitude, no matter what is happening around us, no matter what is happening in our personal lives, to be strong and fortified in Christ. Fortified means gaining supernatural strength to be an overcomer, no matter what trials or what difficulties come our way. It means deciding we are not going to let self-pity or self-sympathy 
push us around, but we are going to let the triumphant strength and victory of Christ rule our actions and our decisions instead. And that is a very different mindset from what we see in our culture. The world is always telling us to be soft to ourselves, be good to yourself, be kind to yourself, do whatever makes you feel good, seek your own happiness. It is your right to pursue your happiness and do what makes you happy. Of course, we see that message on, you know, book bags and purses and jewelry and clothing. So we're constantly being bombarded with this be soft to yourself message. There are excuses all around us to embrace self-pity and self-indulgence and self-coddling. But yet the Bible is filled with these commands to be strong and to practice spiritual fortitude. We see them all throughout the Bible. Here are just a few snapshots. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong. We talked about that in the first episode. That's from 1 Corinthians. Or be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might from Ephesians 6.10. Or let us not grow weary in doing good, Galatians 6.9. Endure hardship as a good soldier for Christ, 2 Timothy 2.3. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4, 13. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. So this fortitude is something that God can equip us for if we're willing to embrace it and say, Lord, make me a fortified woman, not someone who's just pushed around by the trials of life or by my own emotions. Make me strong in you. We talked in the first episode about Gladys Selward, about how she had this incredible fortitude to the point where she walked right into the midst of a men's prison riot and commanded them all to put their weapons down, and they listened to her, even though she wasn't even five foot tall. She had the power of God. There were a lot of decisions that she made leading up to that moment that caused her to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, to have fortitude. And one of the things I think about a lot in her life was just what she went through to be prepared to be a missionary over in China. She wasn't able to even complete missionary training. She wasn't able to do well in academics or learning the language. And yet practically and spiritually, she prepared in a tremendous way. She worked on her feet all day long as a parlor maid, taking second jobs and third jobs to try to scrape money together for a train ticket to get over to China. And there was a story that I heard about her in one of her documentaries about how she had these comfortable work shoes, but she wanted every penny to go to China. And so she exchanged her comfortable work shoes for these two left shoes. And they weren't comfortable, but that is what she wore. She used that money for China. And she wore those two left shoes all the way until she was well into her missionary work in China. The soles of her feet were less important than the soles of the people she knew she was called to reach. Mary Slessor, who we also talked about in the first episode, had a similar story. She poured her life out working in factories and trying to support her family when she was growing up in Scotland, and yet she still took the time to preach the gospel and share the gospel with the young women that God brought into her life. Because they were willing to rise up and even put their own comfort aside, they weren't self-coddling and filled with self-pity. They said, Lord, make me strong in you. They were spiritual athletes long before they ever went to the mission field. So being a spiritual athlete is one of the primary qualities of every man or woman in Christian history who is truly made an impact for God's glory. It's the example set by the Apostle Paul. It's the example set by Jesus Christ in his earthly life. Should we expect less for ourselves? Take a little snapshot of what Paul went through for the sake of the gospel. You see this in 2 Corinthians. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Five times from the Jews I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned 
Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleepness, sleeplessness, hunger and thirst and fastings and cold and nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Now talk about a Christian who had fortitude, who understood what it meant to be a spiritual athlete. He was giving this list not so that people would feel sorry for him, but so that it could be seen what the power of God could do, what the grace of God could do through a human life. Because a normal human life could never endure all that and still be victorious through it. A normal human life would completely fall apart, even with just one or two of these trials. And yet Paul was able to walk forward triumphantly because he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And even with all that Paul went through, all of these hardships, he was one of the most happy and fulfilled men that has ever existed, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. It doesn't matter what I go through. If I have Jesus, I have everything I need. That was the, the motto of, Christ, of Paul's life. In Christ's life, if you look at his earthly life, often Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to stop and eat. They didn't have a place to sleep. And even when Jesus was able to be away alone to, to have time for prayer or time alone with his disciples, the crowds would follow him and find him in, even when he was in hiding and, and want something from him. He was just constantly bombarded. And then as his ministry progressed, he was mocked. He was hated by the leaders of that day. He was falsely accused. He was betrayed. He was crucified. And he asked us to take up our cross and follow in his steps. So the Christian life is not meant to be easy. And I think a lot of times we sort of gloss over what Christianity really is. It's just making a decision to follow Jesus and our life will just be easy and comfortable and we have Jesus as a nice bonus on top of everything else. But when we embrace Christianity, when we say, Lord, I'm going to walk in your footsteps, I'm going to give my life completely to you, we are signing up to walk in his footsteps, to choose that cross, to take up that cross daily and follow him. And so when we approach the Christian life with this attitude that it's supposed to be easy and comfortable, we cannot become the brave-hearted Christians that God has called us to be because we're constantly protecting our own interests and, and feeling sorry for ourselves if things don't go well. Being spiritual athletes is actually frowned upon today even in the church because self-pity is glorified. A lot of times what we see in Christianity today is that self-discipline is legal, labeled as legalism. We're encouraged oftentimes to just bask in the love of God and never challenge ourselves to rise up towards more or to be willing to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. A lot of times whenever I speak on the topic of being a spiritual athlete, of saying we can become more than conquerors in Christ, and we don't need to give in to self-pity and this easy, comfortable life that so many of us want to pursue, a lot of times you'll see people get defensive over that idea. When I posted something along these lines once on my Facebook page, a woman had made the comment, sometimes we just need to let go of these unrealistic spiritual expectations and go take a nap. Sort of like, don't call me to pursue anything more, I just need to take care of me. Now there's nothing wrong with taking a nap or meeting your practical needs. But that idea of saying, Lord, I'm not expecting easy. I am willing to take up my cross and follow you. That is the essence of Christianity. And because I didn't understand this, even after Eric and I started our ministry journey, I 
came so close to giving up so many times because I didn't understand what it meant to be a spiritual athlete. I was expecting easy and comfortable, and I was completely shocked when things were difficult. And I wasn't crying out to God to say, Lord, give me grace for this. I was crying out to God to deliver me from all the trials. And what we really want to do is not just ask God for an easy life, but for an increase in grace. And if you haven't studied what grace is, it's the enabling power to do what God has called us to do, to live out a life we can never live in our own strength. So we're not trying to seek after ease as Christians. We're trying to seek after the grace of God. And that is why the Apostle Paul could face all of those things with a triumphant attitude, because the grace of God was so present in his life. We oftentimes think we have a special situation. So I want to look at that for a second. We think, okay, well, I cannot rise up and be a spiritual athlete because I have all of these unique challenges that are different than what everybody else goes through. Now, we often believe we have the right to wallow in self-pity and spiritual weakness because of our unique challenges. And some of us, I think, secretly like the idea of being coddled and having special attention because of our fragile emotional state. We don't really want to rise up and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We'd rather be soft to ourselves. We'd rather have other people be feeling sorry for us and kind of coddling us. And I've definitely followed, fallen into that pattern in different times of my life where I just want it to be easy and I just want people to, to present an easy way for me. But when we choose this attitude, we miss out on one of the greatest spiritual tools that God wants to give us, and that is the strength to be more than a conqueror. That doesn't mean that we don't rest or that we push ourselves beyond what God is asking of us or that we're trying to do things in our own strength. It doesn't mean becoming a Martha. We are meant to draw all of our strength from the enabling grace of God. But it does mean that we don't use the challenges of our lives as an excuse to pitch our tents or take the easy way out. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we say, Lord, I want to live every bit of this for your glory. Even if it's uncomfortable for me, you will give me the grace to be more than a conqueror in this situation. There's some incredible stories that I've heard about people who were spiritual athletes who were very impaired in a lot of areas in their life. They had every reason to feel sorry for themselves, but instead they rose up and resolved to conquer. In Corrie Ten Boom's book, Tramp for the Lord, she talks about a woman she met in Russia who was completely crippled with a terrible disease, and she only had one finger that worked. So the rest of her body was just atrophied and wouldn't work. But this one finger she had that actually moved and would work, and her husband took care of her and set her up with a typewriter, and every day with that one finger she would type and translate the Bible and translate Christian books into the Russian language, and those would then be smuggled to the Christians because where she lived, it was illegal to have Bibles. It was illegal to have Christian literature. But the secret police wouldn't check out this woman who was paralyzed and crippled and about to die and only had one finger that worked. And what could she possibly do that would be a threat? She was actually spreading the gospel all over Russia with that one finger saying, Lord, I have one finger and I'm going to use it for your glory. That is what it means to be a spiritual athlete. She didn't sit there and feel sorry for herself. She said, I'm rising up and I'm going to do the work that God has put in front of me to do. There's also another story that I heard about a crippled man, and I don't have time to go into the whole story, but he could only crawl. And he went over these mountain ranges in Africa to reach these unreached tribes, and people told him not to go. He would die on the way, and he almost did die on the way. He had to live off of berries and stuff. But then he got to this village, and they welcomed him. They heard the gospel, and he led hundreds of people 
into the kingdom of God, and he couldn't even stand up and walk on his own. Again, that's being a spiritual athlete. And when I hear stories like this, I wonder, do I really have an excuse to slide into self-pity and self-sympathy and try to be soft to myself and feel sorry for myself when I'm facing challenges that are so much smaller than what these men and women face? I once heard a workout instructor say the words, don't expect this to be easy. Think like an athlete. If you expect physical training to be easy, you won't receive any benefits. You won't receive any results. And I think that is so true in the Christian life. A life that really impacts the world for the glory of God is not supposed to be easy because easy does not bring life-changing results. So I want to give you a few practical steps for becoming a spiritual athlete, for cultivating this concept of spiritual fortitude versus self-pity and self-sympathy in our daily lives. First and foremost, learn how to apply God's grace to difficult situations. When we're faced with a trial or a challenge or something we don't know how to handle, our typical response is going to be, I can't handle this, I can't do this, this is too much for me. But can we take a step back and say, okay, Lord, there is grace for this. If I have to walk through this, or if I have to face this, or if I have to have this hard conversation, there is grace. You have offered grace to me. I receive it. I ask for it. And go forward in his enabling grace to do what you could not do in your own strength. Our motto needs to be, I can't, but Lord, you can. So let me receive your grace and apply it to this situation. In parenting, I have to do that all the time where I think, okay, this is too much. This is a challenge. I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. And when I catch myself thinking that way, I stop and say, okay, Lord, but you can. I can't, but you can. I need to receive your grace right now. And your grace will enable me to have the wisdom and the strength and the endurance that I need right now for this situation. Another practical is to say no to the voice of self-pity and spiritual apathy. That is really hard to do because self-pity feels like a virtue in our culture today. It's not this very obvious, blatant, sinful thing. We look at it almost as a positive thing. If you're kind and nice and sweet and easy on yourself, then you're doing something good. A lot of times we hear the message, you really need to go easy on yourself. Don't worry about praying. Don't worry about spiritual growth. God knows you love him. You're going through a hard time. You shouldn't have to worry about cultivating a thriving spiritual life. That's a lie from the enemy, but it sounds very reasonable to most of us. We need to counter with the truth that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. And running to the feet of Jesus, not away from him, is always the solution, no matter what we're going through. Elizabeth Elliot talked in one of her messages about a Bible college leader who was just a great spiritual man of God, and people so looked up to him. And every day he would get up at the crack of dawn to study the Word of God and to spend time in the presence of God before he went into his day, which was a very demanding schedule. And one of the students asked him, how did you how did you get to the place where you could get up early, that early every day, and spend time in God's presence with everything else that you carry? Did you just agonize over, could you do this? Could you handle this? And did you fast and pray for the strength to do this? And the Bible college leader said, nope, I just get up. It was that simple to him. I just made the decision. This is a priority. I just get up. That's the enabling grace of God, giving him the strength to do what in his flesh he couldn't do. 
And I recommend the book Discipline the Glad Surrender. That's by Elizabeth Elliot, where she goes into that in more detail. Another key to this is to study the lives of historical Christians and realize what is actually possible when we rely on the enabling grace of God. That is why I love Christian biographies. Now, they're not that easy to find today. We as a church in general have kind of pushed Christian biographies off to the back burner, sort of like, yeah, we, they're, they're for a different time, a different era. But what I love about Christian biographies is you see these men and women who went through things that would break most of us in our own strength, and yet they were triumphant through them. That doesn't mean they didn't go through agony and grief and heartache and struggle, but they came through those trials as more than conquerors because of the enabling grace of God. And as I read their stories, as I listen to their stories, sometimes I listen to the audio version of these biographies, the the one thing I get out of all of these stories is what is possible through the enabling grace of God. And I look at my own life and say, okay, if they were able to endure prison and the loss of loved ones and, and people being martyred for the gospel and being incredibly persecuted because of their stand for Jesus or being isolated in a remote part of the world to bring the gospel there. If they can come through those situations as more than conquerors because of the grace of God, certainly that same grace can enable me to be victorious in whatever challenges I'm facing today. So some of my favorites, some lives of great Christians to study would be C.T. Studd Amy Carmichael, Gladys Silward, Mary Slessor, we've already talked about those two, Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, Lillian Trasher, Corey Tenboom, William Catherine Booth, Richard and Sabina Wormbrett, Esther on Kim, Darlene Dibler Rose, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. That's just a very small snapshot. Brother Andrew would be another great one. All of these people have incredible biographies written about their life. Lilius Trotter is another one. So seek out these stories. Not that their lives, you copy everything that they do in their lives. These were human people. They did, they did make mistakes, but one thing you will see as a common thread in all of these lives is the enabling grace of God. They were not willing to slide into self-pity. They rose up and said, Lord, make me a spiritual athlete by your grace. Now remember, being a spiritual athlete, being a resilient woman is not about human willpower, and it's not about burning yourself out trying to prove something to God or to others. It's being willing for his power to work in and through us. It's having that mantra in our life that says, Lord, I can't, but you can. And when we have that attitude, we will become resilient. And that is a key component to brave-hearted womanhood. God bless. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.